Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Riverwood Church. Uh, if you are a first-time guest and I've not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron, a teaching pastor here, and uh, really excited that uh, we get to be together on this first Sunday of September. A little hard to believe that it is here, but yes, we have officially entered school season. You kids doing okay? You, you guys surviving? Uh, moms and dads, I know you're doing awesome. <laughs> you're doing fantastic. Uh, well, Many, many years ago, I, uh, well, I should say, throughout my life, I've done a number of what people would call accountability groups, uh, where I get together with another guy and we, you know, just encourage each other, we confess sin, help each other just to follow Jesus. Uh, but one time I had a group, it was three of us, and a portion of our time together was confessing sin, but a big, big portion was Bible reading. We had heard about some groups that had started around the world that had made one of their goals major, like reading major amounts of the scripture. And so we were advised to try to read 25 to 30 chapters a week. All right. So that's what we were aiming to do. So when we would, uh, you know, we'd pick like a book of the Bible. So say we pick Matthew. Well, there's 28 chapters in Matthew. So our goal is to read the entire thing in one week. But if we picked a small book like Colossians, there's only four chapters. And so we would decide together that we need to read it every single day, seven times to be able to achieve our 25 to 30 chapters, which meant you were reading Colossians every single day. Now, I have confessed before that the way my personality is wired, I tend to not repeat things over and over and over. Like I said, I tend to not repeat things over and over and over. Okay, that was not funny. All right, <laughs> scratch, scratch that. But I typically don't reread books again. I, I rarely rewatch a movie unless I'm like doing it with my family. I, I like new experiences. And so I'm not going to go and try to repeat an experience because in my mind, it's just not going to be like it was the first time. So it was a stretch, but really good for me to have to read a book like Colossians over and over and over. But there's a rule I didn't tell you about in our group. If someone failed to achieve the Bible reading for the week, the entire group had to do it again. So say you've got First Thessalonians, five chapters. We decide together, okay, we're going to read it five times, hit our 25 chapters, and one of the guys comes back and says, guys, I'm sorry, I only read through it four times. We would have to do it all over again. Now, this sticks out in my mind because many years ago, we were doing the book of Philippians, which we just did together as a church. And I remember we were supposed to read it four chapters every single day, all right? So Sunday through Saturday, supposed to read these four chapters. And we come back together and one of the guys did not get it done. He'd only read it, I think, five times. So we have to do it again. All right, well, I'm going to be a great disciple. I'm going to make God happy. I'm going to just charge through this. This will be good. So I make it through the second week and we get back together. Same guy. Sorry, guys. I didn't get it done. Okay. So we do it for a third week. Finally, I know this book in and out by this point. We get together. Guys, you're really not going to like me. <laughs> now I'm getting frustrated. Now I find myself saying, I want something different. I want to do something new. I'm tired of Philippians. Oh, that's really sad. That sounds really, really bad. But I, I wanted to move on. And so here I was, bad attitude and all, reading it for like the 23rd time in 23 days, and I'm reading through it, and all of a sudden, I saw something new. I mean, they'd been there the whole time. I, I just somehow had, had been missing it. It, it. Like on that particular day, 
it just struck me in a very different way. It was like I got a different perspective. And it was like God reminding me, hey, even if you read this 500 times in a row, there's still something you can learn. Now, I bring this up because today we are going to the book of Philippians, which we just studied together as a church. And we're coming to a passage that we just studied two months ago. We studied it on July 7th. And I know that if you were the one who was up here and I was sitting out there where you're at and I caught on that you're preaching through the same exact passage that we just looked at two months ago, I know what would happen to me. I would start to mentally check out. I would pull out my phone, pretend I'm using my Bible, but I would actually be on Twitter. Just to confess, just to be honest. I, I would start thinking about what am I going to do with the rest of my day? Oh, you know, I typically use Sunday nights to kind of relax and prepare for the, the week. So I'd start already planning. Am I going to read a book? Am I going to go to watch a movie? Am I going to do another Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with my wife? What am I going to do to relax? I would totally check out and I would begin to ignore you. Now, I realize some of you weren't here two months ago and heard the message July 7th. So for you, this is going to be first time. I also realize that some of you are saying to yourself, Aaron, don't flatter yourself. I forget your message by the time I'm done my car. But just in case you heard the July 7th message, and just in case you actually remember that I taught that Paul said he was doing fine, you would be fine, and the gospel will be fine, I need to tell you today, don't be like me. Don't check out. Stay. Even though you just heard this two months ago, even if you just read this yesterday, lean in and listen because just as I heard something for the first time on the 23rd time, maybe you'll also get something new and God will use it to help you come to a place of finding true contentment. Because today, as we wrap up this money edition of the Everyday Gospel series, we need to look at it. Where do we find our contentment? Because too many of us, we're trying to find our contentment in the things of this earth and we spend our money there trying to bring us that happiness. And today, God wants to say, no. Don't try to find your contentment in the things of this world. Find your contentment in me. This is so important. So don't be like Aaron. Instead, be like Jesus. Lean in, listen, and let him speak to you. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the passage because for many of you, it's familiar. I'm going to do it differently. I'm not going to put the scripture up on the screen. I'm not going to encourage you to open your Bibles. I just want you to listen. I want you to hear the words. And just let them start soaking in. We're going to come back. You're going to open your Bibles in just a minute. And we're going to study through it. But for just now, I just want you to listen. I want you to hear what Paul wrote. He's talking mostly about himself. But I need you to hear what he's trying to convey because that's what I need you to walk away with today. So let me read aloud as you listen to Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In every in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would be our teacher. Some of us, we've, we know this passage. We've heard this. We, we've, we have even that verse 13 memorized. Uh, we, we just talked about this a, a couple months ago as a, as a church. And yet, God, your scripture is so powerful. You can still teach us and still impact us and still help us to see something new. So, God, I pray you do that today. 
And that it, it wouldn't be me trying to be clever or unique, but really it'd be because you are so powerful and so beautiful and, and you are almighty God. So, Lord, would you help us today to just capture an awe of you, of who you are and what you've done through the cross and the grave. And that as we become so in awe of you, we find ourselves content with where we're at in life because you are with us and you've got us. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what our income level, we can trust you. So, Lord, would you speak to us now and help us today to be willing to make whatever sacrifice you want us to make so that we will find our contentment in Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray together. Amen. All right. Now, if you brought a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. If you are a first-time guest with us and don't have a Bible, I've got it up on the uh, screen. You can just read along there with us. Um, But I'm going to encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, uh, I want you to do one of two things. After our worship gathering today, would you just stop by the Give and Grow table? We've got paper Bibles back there. We've got two different translations. We'll find the one that'll fit you the best. We intentionally bought high-quality Bibles so that it's a Bible that you would not only want to bring on Sunday, but a Bible you'd want to use every day. So please, take one of those as our gift. Also, if you've got a smartphone, download a Bible to it. And that means if you already have a Bible on your phone, feel free to pull it out. You might notice a number of our Riverwood family pulling theirs out right now. It's totally fine here. Use that phone and and jump in the Bible. And I won't accuse you of going to Twitter like I would. Um, when we came to this passage last time, it was at the end of our Genuine Joy series. The Genuine Joy series was really just a study of the book of Philippians. I really, really, really enjoyed that series. I, I, I just felt like I gained a lot personally out of it, and I uh, just felt like it was really good for our church family and where we are at right now. And so when we came to this passage, we were looking at it from the angle of joy, of trying to find joy in all circumstances. But today we come at it from the perspective of finances. Uh, We're in our Everyday Gospel series, and we've been doing different editions. In February, we did the Relationship Edition. After the Genuine Joy series, we did the the, uh, Self Edition. Now we're in the Money Edition, and then later this fall, we will come back to it, and we will do the Life Edition. And and, uh, so we're going to be coming at it from this different angle. That's one of the beauties about the Scripture. It, the, the scriptures are like a diamond that, that you can take and look and hold, but as you turn it, you keep seeing like different colors, different cuts, different nuances. You really start seeing the quality of it. And so just because you've seen it from one angle doesn't mean you really know this diamond. It's the same with the scripture. Same scripture, but sometimes as you look at it, you start realizing there's more here than just joy. Because today we're going to see the context that we're looking at. This is actually all about finances. And some of you, you need to look at this and not just, oh, I need to have joy in every circumstance. You need to come and realize, Paul's saying, I know what it's like to have contentment no matter what my financial circumstance. But before we get to that, let's just take a quick review of what we've seen so far in this money edition of the Everyday Gospel. Uh, Three weeks ago, we kicked it off and we looked at the concept of stewardship. Uh, And we saw through Psalm 50 that God owns everything. And later in that sermon, we saw that if you claim to be a Jesus follower, it means that God not only has created you, he's purchased you through the cross. And so that means you are doubly God's. So he has all rights to you. So therefore, the things that you own aren't really yours. They're really his. And so your house is his house. Your car is his car. Your income is his income. Your uh, family is actually his family. And everything that's been entrusted to you is merely for you to steward You were to enter into stewardship. And so that means you have to look at the things that you have and say, how can I use this best to glorify God? Well, then that affects then the way we give. And that's what we looked at two weeks ago. And we saw through 2 Corinthians 9 that when we give, we are to give generously, willingly, prayerfully, 
cheerfully, trustfully, and sacrificially. But then as you start looking and realize, okay, this is how we're supposed to give. Are we supposed to save? And if so, how are we supposed to save? And what we saw is that many times when we save money, we're really saving money to try to be rich with ourselves. But what we saw through the scriptures is that God actually wants us to be rich towards him, which means we have to be rich towards others. It isn't about saving money and hoarding it, trying to get as much as we possibly can for self. It's really about how can we use the money that God gives us to be a blessing to others. Sometimes that means we have to save, and we talked about that. But also, oftentimes it means we don't need to save as much as maybe we, our heart wants, because God is actually wanting us to use it to bless others. But, but that's where the rub is, isn't it? Because if we're not saving it for ourselves and we're giving it away, it, it sometimes puts us on this tenuous level of wondering, am I going to have enough? Uh, you know, a little later, we'll be talking about th- those of us. Some of us, we live paycheck to paycheck. A- and we find ourselves struggling at times in life to really feel content about our financial situation. That's why Paul's words are so powerful. It's why it's worth coming back to. Uh, on Tuesday, when Jake and I were meeting to, to talk about this morning, I, I confess that I wanted to find another passage. But it almost felt irresponsible to try and go somewhere else. Because Paul says it so clearly. And that's what I want you to see today. So as Paul is writing his letter to the church in Philippi, he's getting ready to wrap it up. And he's, he's starting to finish it with a thank you. It turns out that the church in Philippi had taken one of their guys, Epaphroditus. They'd taken up a collection and they sent the money with Epaphroditus to go to Paul who was in prison in Rome. And so Paul is now saying, hey guys, thank you so much for the financial gift. But notice what he says. Go to, go to verse 11. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. It's almost like he's saying, hey guys, thank you. The gift was wonderful. And I'll use it. It was great. If you send me another one, it'll be put to use. But I just want you to know, it's not about the need. I'm not really in need because I've learned to be content. But Paul's just saying, guys, thanks but I'm actually, I'm I'm good. And he goes on to explain it a little more. Verse 12 says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Notice the extreme contrasts there. He says low and how to abound, uh, having plenty and hunger, abundance and need. We're not talking like shades of the same color, like red and pink. We're talking opposites, black and white, red and green. It's almost like Paul is saying, guys, I, I know what it's like to drive a brand new BMW. And I know what it's like to have to bum rides off people because I have no car. It's almost like he's saying, I know what it's like to have a house that like the magazines want to come and do a photo shoot to put in their pages because people want to read it. And I know what it's like to live in a one bedroom apartment with a leaky roof and a cockroach family living in the corner. Like I, I know what it is to have to throw away food because It's going to spoil before I can use it all. And I know it is to wonder where my next meal is coming from. Paul's not just living like, oh, I'm kind of upper middle class some days and I'm a little lower middle class other days. No, we're talking extremes. And yet in the extremes, he's saying, I'm fine. Now we would say I'm content when we're on the rich side. Like when when we can afford to go out to eat, when, when we can make all the payments that we have, when we could buy a gift for someone, we don't even have to really think about it and worry about it. Like, that's when we feel content. It's when we're on the other side of the spectrum that we struggle to be content. Like, when, when the bills keep coming, the, the debt collectors start calling, 
the, the stress that that creates, we're, we're not content. <laughs> when we jump online and we see people posting, you know, their Hawaiian vacation photos, and, and yet all we got to do is go to the grocery store, like, like we're not content. Like, like when we see someone driving a car that, that works and our beater keeps going to the shop, just sucking more and more money, we're not content. But Paul's saying, doesn't matter. Like, I, I'm, I'm content whether I've got the BMW or I have to drive a Volkswagen Beetle. I don't know. What's a bad car? Uh, Ford Paul, a Ford Taurus. Okay. Uh, yeah, our Ford Taurus was kind of a bad car. Uh, but those are the extremes. And Paul's saying, I'm content. I'm fine. And the way he writes it, he wants us to be content as well. And so he actually gives us the secret. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, we talked about this verse quite a bit on July 7th. So I'm not going to rehash all of it. If you want to go back and look at this verse more, I encourage you, go online to either iTunes or the, the Riverwood website. Find the July 7th message. I think it's entitled, um, uh, like, uh, Joy in All Things or Joy in All Circumstances. All right, go, go and listen to that message, and, and you can look at that a lot more. What we are just going to point out and say today is that, first, Paul is not saying that you can do all things. Like, Paul could not lift a skyscraper with his right pinky finger, right? Paul could not shoot lasers out of his eyes, right? It, it, he doesn't really mean, oh, yeah, whatever you want to do, you can do all things. It, meaning, too, you can't just go and sin. Like, like you can't just go and, and collect three or four spouses at the same time. You know, you, you can't just, you know, go about embezzling money and stealing it openly and not expect any consequences. No, the context here is finances. And he's saying, I can do all things. I can do poverty. I can do wealth. I can do being famous. I can do be living in obscurity. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's the key. The joy is found in him, in Christ. Because you've got to look at Paul's life. When you realize that Paul lived his life as a zealous Jew who is well on his way becoming one of the most famous, most powerful, most influential rabbis Judaism had ever seen, and so much so that he, out of his zealousness, began to travel around the known world to try to arrest anyone who proclaimed Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. And then he met Jesus. He comes to Christ on the road, on his way to a city to go arrest people, and he discovers he's been wrong the whole time. Jesus was real. Jesus really did die on a cross. Jesus really did rise from the dead. And Jesus really was the Son of God. And when Paul realizes this, it says that scales came over his eyes until a man came and prayed for him. And all of a sudden, his eye, his, the scales fell off his eyes, but also the scales fell off his heart. And now instead of traveling around trying to arrest Jesus' followers, he begins to travel around trying to make Jesus' followers. His entire identity changed. And that's why he was fine. That's why he was like, if God wants to make me wealthy, okay, fine. I'll use that wealth to try to help people meet Jesus. And if God wants me to be poor, I'm fine. Because I can look at the cross, I can see how much God loves me and how God will be with me. So I can go through this really tough season because he will give me the strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's what Paul wants for you. To be able to do all things, whether that be wealth or whether that be poverty, and that you can do it with the strength that he gives you, and you can have contentment. But 
that means for some of us, we need to stop. We need to really look at our expenditures. We need to look at where we are spending the money that God has given us. Because if we really look, we will notice that sometimes the things we're spending our money on is actually to try to find contentment outside of Christ. Right now, we live in a culture where subscriptions are very, very common. And I'm not talking about subscriptions to uh, magazines or newspapers. I'm talking like subscriptions to music, uh, to, to movies. We, we spend money on a monthly basis to try to, to get these things so that we can have contentment. Uh, one of the most popular for music is Spotify. Uh, Spotify is currently $10 per month for an individual. So let's just pretend that, that you want to do music and movies. So you spend the $10 a month for Spotify, and then you get Netflix. And Netflix just upped their standard uh, price, their standard plan price to $13. So you're spending $23 per month for your music and your movies. At, based on where most of you make your income, $23 per month is not that big of a deal. That, that's really not too bad. I mean, like doing $10 a month for Spotify, that's cheaper than when we used to do CDs. So you're saving money there. And then to go to the movies anymore, I mean, it's, you know, just you and one other person, you're looking at $15, $20. So to do Netflix, you're actually saving money. So this isn't bad. But if you take that $10 for Spotify, $13 for Netflix, put it together, $23 per month, and you take that out over a year, that's $276, which might be enough to pay your car bill. The, the, to pay the mechanic. But that's just a cheap example. Some of us, we, we have cable or satellite TV. Plans there can range all over the place, but about the average is $80 per month. If you spend $80 per month for an entire year, that's $960 a year. That right there could probably pay off one of your credit cards. Speaking of $80 per month, that's the average cell phone bill for an individual. I, I don't know where, I mean, like T-Mobile, I think there's this like $40, Verizon's like $50, but it, when it comes down to it, when people start, you know, all the packaging and everything else, they end up paying $80 per month. The average family has a cell phone bill of $150 per month. And I, I looked and saw that if you're with AT&T or Verizon, you're spending more like $180, maybe even over $200 per month for a family plan. Let's just say though it's $150. You take that $150 over the course of a year, it's $1,800. If you took some of that money, you could put it towards the principal on your mortgage and probably eliminate months of payments. But we don't do it because I want this plan. I want this because this makes me content. All right, let's move away from subscriptions. Some of you might be saying, how but Aaron... I have like the lowest cell phone bill you possibly could. Like I'm on Republic Wireless and I pay like $20 a month, you know, and, and, and I, I have these unsexy bunny ears on my TV. Like I don't subscribe to anything. Like I, I don't even get internet. I live as cheaply as possible. Okay, great. What about food and drink? The average 40-year-old spends over $1,400 on coffee every year. Now, all the young people are going, oh man, those 40-year-olds, they, they make a lot of money. I guess they could spend it on that. Yeah, but the average 30-year-old spends $600 more. $2,000 plus on coffee. I think we have a caffeine addiction in our nation. All right, but now the 40-year-olds, before you start going, oh, those 30-year-olds are really dumb spending that much money. They actually save money compared to us when it comes to eating out. Because the average 30-year-old is spending $3,400 per year, whereas the average 40-year-old is spending over $4,000. $4,200 per year 
on eating out. This isn't your grocery bill. This isn't buying a snack. This is eating out. $4,200. Now, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm not trying to say that having a cell phone is bad, because if so, I'm a big hypocrite. I'm not saying that having Netflix is bad, because there again, I would be a hypocrite. I'm not saying that all these things are evil or wrong or sinful. What I am saying is that if that is where you're running to try to find your contentment in life, perhaps you need to stop and ask, do I really need this? The very first week of this message, I mean this series, we looked at the concept that when it comes to our finances, it isn't about what God or the church wants from us. That Really, this whole entire concept is about what God wants for us. And what God longs for you is that you are not a slave to money. That you have to give in to its whims and spend it trying to find your contentment. Because Jesus went to a cross to die for your sins. And that is where your contentment should be found. And when your identity is wrapped up in him, now through his Holy Spirit, he gives you the strength. And you can actually survive life without coffee. I know it's hard to believe. But it's possible. Some of us actually do it. It's possible to make it through life without Spotify. You actually can do it without Amazon Prime. You actually don't have to go out and eat every Friday night. But some of you, you're hearing these things going, yeah, no big deal. Some of us were hearing this going, ouch. In June, my family uh, was going on vacation to go see my daughter, Karis, and her husband out in uh, Spokane, Washington. And when we took Karis out there for college four and a half years prior, we lost our cell signal quite a few times. And so I decided I was going to actually pay for Spotify. I'd been using their free plan for a few years. And so they always have an introductory price. Pay 99 cents and you get three months of Spotify. Ad-free, you can download stuff to your phone. And so that's what I did. I paid for it, download stuff to my phone so that when I lost cell signal, my music could keep playing. My three months ends September 10th. I am not looking forward to September 10th. I do not miss the ads at all. I actually have this little thing called Spotify that mutes the ads. So I get to hear about two, three songs, and then I have to sit in silence for about two minutes. (laughs) Now, maybe Leanne and I can sit down and look and see, can we justify this? Can we make this work? And maybe so. And if so, I'll be a happy camper. But I can also do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can go back to a free plan and the ads and I can do it. Is there something that you might need to sacrifice? There might not be. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anyone. Today is not to arm twist you. But I want you to ask yourself, honestly, if you are a Jesus follower, are you finding your contentment in Christ? And does your money therefore reflect that? Or as you look at the way you spend God's money, Are you seeing patterns of how you're actually trying to find contentment in the things of this world? So that's why today we're going to just end with a little bit of space. Just some silence. A time for you to pray. A time for you to ask God, what do you want me to sacrifice, if anything? If you're here today and you are not a Jesus follower, first I just want to say thanks for coming. We actually started Riverwood Church for you. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want you to fall for some legalistic lie and think, oh, if I give up Netflix, God will be really, really happy. And so therefore I'll be good with him. No, the thing that God wants you to sacrifice 
is yourself. He wants you to give up you. Because Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you put your faith in him, you become God's child. It changes everything. Just like it changed Paul, it will change you. But that means that it's far more important than you trying to figure out, oh, do, do I give up you know, this collection? Do I give up this food? Do I give these things up for God? No, what you need to do is give up yourself. So during this time of silent prayer, if you sense God saying, I love you, I want you, Will you take this time to pray and give your life to Jesus? If you're already a Jesus follower, though, I want you to say, God, <laughs> you gave up your life for me. Where am I not giving up my life for you? Where am I still holding on to the things of this world? It could be something really small and simple. It might be something big and hard. So that's why you need to take the next step. We're going to pray. But then, a little later, I need you to take out your connection card. And on the back of that, I want you to write down what it is you're going to sacrifice. And our elder team is just going to pray for you. We're not going to contact you, try to hold you to it. But you need to let someone know. Maybe you've got an accountability partner. You're going to let him know. Maybe it's someone in your growth group. You just need to call them, text them, and say, Hey, today in the service, this is what I said. I felt God saying, I want you to sacrifice this. Maybe you're just needing to sacrifice it for like a month, six months, a year. Or maybe it's time to say, I'm done with this. What is it God wants you to get rid of so that you're not spending your money there trying to find your contentment in life there, but by giving it up, it reminds you that your contentment is found in Christ. So we're going to pray, and then Ed's going to come up, and he's going to close out in prayer and lead us into a time of communion. So would you join me in prayer? So Heavenly Father, we just want to pause and talk to you. And just say, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for redeeming us, restoring us, forgiving us of our sin. But God, some of us here, we confess, we still run to the things of this earth. We try to find our contentment in that. God, these things aren't bad and evil in and of themselves. You you sometimes use them to bring us great joy in life. But sometimes, God, they, they start taking precedence in our life. And we give them more importance than we do you. So that's why I just pray right now, God, that through your Holy Spirit, you'd speak to your people. And that right now, they would hear what you are saying to them, and they would begin to say, yes, Lord, I will sacrifice this. So God, would you hear us now as we pray?